You're listening to Salmon Farming Inside and Out, a podcast series brought to you by Aquaculture North America. This podcast is sponsored by Merck Animal Health. Together, we can ensure welfare and sustainability for aquatic species. Welcome to a new episode of Salmon Farming Inside and Out. I'm Marilyn de Guzman. And I'm Ian Roberts. Nice to be with you again, Marilyn. Well, it's our first podcast of 2024, but it is our last episode of season one. Yeah, that's right. We've been busy going around uh, North America talking to very interesting people, and uh, we're capping it off with a, another great episode um, at the end of, of season one. And and can we announce something, Marilyn? Yes, absolutely. We are happy to announce that season two, there will be a season two of Salmon Farming Inside and Out. It's been a really <laughs> it's been a really great year for the first year of this uh, when we when we launched this podcast it's been a really good um, experience for me uh you know talking to all these wonderful industry experts and uh, for their thought leadership so um also i want to you know season two is coming but i will not be joining ian for the second season it's been a great ride for me and it's been uh, such a privilege and i want to thank you ian first of all and the Aquaculture North America for the privilege to be uh, to have host season one. And I'm sure, you know, Ian, you'll um, do a lot of more great things in season two. Yeah, I, I certainly appreciate uh, your guidance during season one as well. Uh, Marilyn, you'll be missed. I guess I'll be, what, swimming upstream or downstream all by myself. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing uh, listener season two as well. Uh, we're looking at maybe a bit more of an international flair, so we'll see where we get to around the world. So, you know, um, during our podcast over the last year, many of the podcasts kind of touched on politics, just how politics intersects with salmon farming or salmon aquaculture and vice versa. We never really got into great detail. So um, I'm quite excited about this episode because uh, we had a politician uh, agree to come on the show and, and talk to us about uh, politics in general and, and politics specific to salmon farming and, and how that all intersects and works. So without further ado, and, and you may have heard our guest cheering in the background about season two. Um, so uh, I'd like to introduce, uh, that is Margaret Johnson, uh, a resident of Carleton County, New Brunswick in Canada for nearly five decades. Margaret Johnson was first elected to represent the Carleton Victoria region in 2020. She was appointed as the Minister of Agriculture, Aquaculture and Fisheries on September 29th in 2020. Ms. Johnson is active in her community through teaching Sunday school, leading Sparks and Brownies, fundraising for Children's Wish and Relay for Life, organizing prom, promoting the arts, being a Rotarian, and managing ice hockey teams. As a lifelong teacher, Ms. Johnson remains involved in schools after retiring from teaching full-time. We're going to call her Margaret, and she was blushing as I read that. Uh, just, I've that, got that to that definitely is... edit that. It's so long and convoluted. <laughs> <laughs> Th thanks so much for having me today here, Ian. And, and it's kind of a bittersweet day knowing that you've, yay, that you're going to be having a season two, but uh, that it means the day, the day I meet uh, Marilyn is the day that she's announcing that she's she's finished with the program. So I'm always excited to um, just talk about aquaculture and fisheries and agriculture. And, um, you know, we, we talk about <clears throat> the political lens, uh, Ian, you were speaking to, but I really believe 
um, in my dealings with other governments and other provinces and territories and countries, it really does transcend the political lens because it's all about showing people how we can make aquaculture a, a viable career choice, first of all, for our young people, but an amazing opportunity to create a protein that is um, accessible and uh, nutritious. And, and we just really want to get the good news out. So you fire away with whatever questions you have for me this afternoon. Well wow, said. That's fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity. I'll, I'll go first if you don't mind. And that's just, um, let, let's start from the basics if you can. You know, for listeners maybe not familiar with Canadian government dynamics, um, what are the federal and provincial political structures and, and where does your position as provincial minister fit into the larger structure, if you can explain that to listeners? Sure. So there's, there's three general government bodies that are involved here. So we've got uh, my department, the Department of Agriculture, Aquaculture and Fisheries, herein known as DAF. Um, <clears throat> we're the lead regulator. So we um, look at aquaculture as it relates to providing access to the leases, to the tenure. Um, we authorize the practice of aquaculture, the licenses for the, the waters that they're going to be uh, working in. And we're responsible for the sustainable aquaculture production and development. Then we've got um, the Department of Fisheries and Oceans Canada. That's the federal department. And they're responsible for fish and fish habitat. They also do inland waterways as well, um, which we do not govern. Um, then you have the last agency, which is the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, and they are the federal lead for aquatic animal health. So they're looking at um, several provincial and federal government departments. We work together on a lot of different files. So that's how I fit into the scheme of things. So yeah, that that's a good that's a good overview, uh, Margaret. Now, I mean, let's talk about the provincial level. Then, mm -hmm. um, could you talk about the province's vision for aquaculture development? So we're we work. I should have added to we're working actively with the Department of Fisheries and Oceans on um, funding mechanisms that we can put in place to look at expansion, innovation, development, um, marketing for for the sector. So those are things that we work at. We're also um, <clears throat> we've developed a, a an aquaculture act, uh, which looks at um, looks at at how we can promote the industry and how we can make sure that all agencies are working out of silos. Because oftentimes we get into, um, in government, you'll hear them say, well, that's not my department and that's not our purview. And we really want to make sure that we're working in conjunction with uh, other agencies to make sure that the, the policies that are in place work for the, uh, the agencies that we're working for. Just, just to follow up on that, um, New Brunswick is, for those that may not know, on the eastern part of, of Canada. Um, right. It's one of the most least populated provinces, I believe, in Canada as well. But we're growing. Um, yeah, I think Moncton is one of the largest, fastest growing cities in, in Canada. Fascinating. Sure is. Um, uh, but just for listeners, your file around aquaculture and fisheries, can you explain to us, we, we are a salmon-centric podcast, but what other right. species uh, do you manage? Do you, do you culture? Do you fish? Can you explain a bit of the value to New Brunswick? 
So the sector as a whole, uh, with uh, aquaculture and, and fisheries, we've got um, in the aquaculture department, we've got a lot of oysters. Oysters are really, really popular. We've had an amazing uptake on um, recognizing what a quality product we produce here in New Brunswick because we've got the cold, clear waters. Um, the French population is totally enamored of our, our product. We had a delegation here last spring that came over from Spain and France and uh, what we've managed to do is create or, or market a product that is not only larger than what they're accustomed to in the European market, but it's also got an, an extended shelf life so that you can take a box of oysters um, and they'll last for like three weeks in the fridge. Um, so that's something that's really marketable and it's something that the European um, consumer is very excited about. That is something that makes it very appealing. When you've got people, we took them, we took the delegation that came to visit us and we took them up to the Acadian Peninsula, which is in the northern part of the province. Anybody who doesn't know, it's sort of that um, section between uh, uh, Quebec and uh, the Gulf of St. Lawrence. And, and uh, it's right up on the coast of, of northern New Brunswick. Um, very, very prominent fishing industry up there. But we've also got... Um, uh, oysters all down the coast of New Brunswick, and we are promoting things like oysters, scallops, uh, crab, lobster, all of those. But um, the, for farming purposes, we look at oysters and uh, salmon as our, our predominant uh, industries for aquaculture. Another follow-up to that would be, yeah. where are the markets? Uh, people love coming to Eastern Canada to uh, to taste the, the seafood, um, but uh, does the markets also reach into perhaps the eastern seaboard of the United States? Is it a popular export uh, uh, product as well? It sure is. It sure is. We we uh, uh, the United States is one of our biggest markets, of course, because we've got them right up against us. With their their uh, so close, the proximity for transportation is exceptional. I mean, we can have things to uh, places like Boston and New York and the big seafood markets. Um, you can have it down there in, inside of ten hours from start to finish to have product delivered fresh, and and that's what the consumer wants. They want to have something that is. Uh, fresh and and has the sense of the sea about it and and i think seafood as a whole we have to make sure that people understand what fresh looks like smells like tastes like because i think there's been an association with people that smell things it smells fishy and um that's an indicator that it's not fresh and so when we, we want to make sure that the consumer is educated as to what good fresh seafood looks like and our our industry people and our stakeholders have done such an exceptional job of, of making sure that what they're putting out to the public is so globally revered. It's not even funny. I mean, we've done, we've done uh, marketing and trade expos to, we've been to Cena. We're getting ready to go back to Cena in Boston in March, which is the seafood expo North America. And we've got people from um, the Orient and coming from Asia and coming from Europe and, and, uh, the United States, and they're all there to um, meet with stakeholders and, and other producers who have got uh, the various products to, to sell. And it's a great place to show equipment and, and innovation in, the, uh, in um, the processing end of things as well. So that, that's exciting. Uh, we've been to Barcelona to, the, to a big seafood expo there. We've been to Norway. We've been to Singapore. So we're really trying to get the good news out about um, Atlantic Canadian and seafood products and our people have done such an exceptional job of embracing not only the flavor and the the quality of of what they're selling but it's also the appearance appearance it's, it's recognizing that 
other cultures eat as much with their eyes as they do with their palate. And and when you're opening a box of, of New Brunswick oysters, the visual uh, appeal is as much as the, the, the olfactory and the taste. I mean, we want to make sure that we're putting something out there that is that is uh, appealing to all the senses. And they've done an admirable job, job on that. So when you're doing all these trips and talking to the international uh, you know, aquaculture industry and education, are, are you looking to... Um, international companies or other companies to invest in New Brunswick or the Atlantic as well? Great question. So we are, I mean, I'm so proud of the history of aquaculture in New Brunswick because what many people do not know is the fact that it all started in a little teeny tiny town down in the southwest of New Brunswick called St. George. The idea of farming fish um, started down there. Um, with one little company and that that company has grown to exponential uh size. Um, but it was really neat for me to go to Norway last summer and see that what happened back in the 70s was we had the world coming to New Brunswick and seeing, what are you doing? You're farming fish? That's really kind of neat. And other countries have taken the ball and run with it. And they've innovated and they've experimented and they've expanded. And now here we are, we're playing catch up to the people who, who, um, took our idea. So going to other countries and seeing what they've been able to innovate in terms of equipment and and uh, means and ways of doing healthier uh, net pen um, farming and, and, and just the innovation in the industry and bringing that back to us and, and looking at the, the concerns that the consumer has and the public has and environmentalists have and seeing how we can address those concerns and making an industry that is I mean, when we talk about what goes into making a salmon, for example, the input to output ratio is so great. It's the best bang for your buck in terms of protein. And, and it's nutritious, it's delicious, and we want to make sure that that protein source is available to the Canadian consumer because we know what food insecurity is like. And we, we know what we're all up against with our grocery shelves these days. And we want to make sure that we're making um, affordable alternatives for people getting healthy uh, food on their tables. So I, I'm going to use your comments as a segue into a, a question here. Um, you mentioned Canada and the province, uh, provinces as well, kind of playing catch up to the world, uh, specific to aquaculture. You know, there's there's no doubt that Canada has been a bit schizophrenic uh, on its on its vision for aquaculture uh, when you go west to, to east. Um, and you've got two of the, and you mentioned, largest international companies producing salmon in the province of New Brunswick, mm -hmm. but also, uh, you know, one operates on the west coast of Canada as well. So do you worry about this kind of political regulatory battle that is happening between the federal government and the provincial government? And, and how do you... How do you speak about that uh, publicly? Because I think to the international audience, it's fairly confusing. They don't really separate Canada and the provinces. Um, so how do you deal with that, Margaret? Amen, Ian. That's You're, you're preaching to the choir on that one. Um, I have in my time as Minister of, of uh, the Department, I have been through three different federal ministers. Um, there have been three different uh, individuals that have held that position. 
And this contentious issue with net pen farming um, or open sea farming on the West Coast has been very, very upsetting. We've got a group of individuals here in the East Coast. You've got Newfoundland, we've got Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and, and ourselves, who have been running an East Coast fishery here for a century or more. And we're, we, we recognize that um, this is the actual start of aquaculture. The, the birthplace of it. And we probably are more well-versed in how to do it than anybody else, even if we are playing catch up with the technology worldwide. So what I had expressed, um, and, and I have to tell you the four ministers of the East Coast, um, we joke with each other, we call each other the the Atlantic mafia or the, uh, the <laughs> because we're, we're very unified. We, uh, we generally speak as one voice, um, we're in constant communication with each other because we're all facing the same challenges. And when the uh, British Columbia situation came up, we have worked diligently for the last three and a half years to make sure that the East Coast fishery was being protected and, and not included in that. Now, what we uh, when we had um, Minister Murray was the um, minister of DFO just before uh, the new minister, Madame Le Bouvier, and uh, we had finally gotten to a point where we wanted DFO to recognize that what the federal government is saying is that we're not going to touch the East Coast fishery. We're just worrying about um, the West Coast and uh, Indigenous rights and populations of salmon and, and that sort of thing. But I said, on a global level, what the rest of the world hears is not... The East Coast is okay. Don't worry about them. The, it's all right. They're here in Canada. And so our mission was to make sure that that message was getting out to um, investors, to companies, to the rest of the world to know that we are open for business and we're ready to make sure that our seafood products and our, particularly our salmon, are they're safe, they're sustainable. We've got practices in place. We've got uh, registries in place to look at uh, escapes and, and, and keep track of what's going on there. It's one of the most well-managed organizations. And we've got wonderful groups like uh, Movi and uh, and Cook here in our province. Um, Newfoundland has also got Greg um, making great investments. And we can't have a mixed message going out to those investors because what they're doing, um, particularly to fishing communities, is bringing back a vital industry to those communities that would otherwise not be there. Yeah, thanks for that. And, and just for listeners, if if they're coming to this episode for the first time and they want to learn more about kind of the federal politics of this all, and I call it federal politics, not mm -hmm. federal science. Uh, it's more politics than science. Um, but uh, I won't make you pontificate on, on the unjust decisions, but people can listen to Tim Kennedy uh, from the Canadian Aquaculture Industry Alliance, speak about it in our first episode, who uh, phrases it and frames it very well. Tim is very articulate on the subject, and he certainly do a good job, much better than I could. <laughs> Obviously, you're also getting feedback from um, uh, the industry itself, uh, from the producers in the region or in your province. So what are some of the feedback that you're getting from them? So that's a good question. Um, so we're, as I say, we talk to the Atlantic ministers and and, and we're generally hearing the same thing from industry in, in each of the four um, Atlantic provinces. Um, we 
continue to, we talk about this and what we're hearing from our people. We want to make a, a collaborative, harmonized approach to this. We've got tremendous strength when we work together and we want to make sure that we're, uh, we're helping um, our industries. I mean, the industry value is like $74 million is what this was bringing to our community, to our provinces in, in uh, 2022. And, and over 450 people with direct jobs in New Brunswick alone, we exported $312.8 million worth of salmon to the world and 19.1 in oysters, $19.1 million in oysters. So what we're hearing from industry is exactly what you'll hear from Tim. You know, we have to make sure that that message is getting out globally so that investors and, and producers and people involved in the industry recognize that the East Coast is open for business. And we are, um, through our trade initiatives and when we're sending people to, to other countries on marketing and trade missions, we're making sure that we're meeting with companies who would either um, want to purchase the products or want to set up plants or come to visit um, to see what other value added opportunities there are within the seafood sector and aquaculture as the root of that, um, how they can be involved. So we want to make sure that that message is getting out and we work regularly. I mean, I get calls from Cook and I get calls from Mui all the time about, um, you know, what, how, these are our concerns. This is what we're worried about. Can you help us with this? And so we've gone to bat every opportunity I've had in the last three and a half years when we're speaking with the federal minister to make sure this message is clear. The fact that we've said, I understand what you're saying. The other ministers understand what you're saying. We need to have industry and the rest of the world, the investors, understand where you're coming from and and don't make it look like we are closing the door to uh, to investment and, and innovation. When the Atlantic Mafia, <laughs> as you call them. And that's really, please, no offense to anybody of, of Italian origin or, yeah. or anything, but, but it was made as a joke by the uh, by some of the Western provinces because we're just so tight. We work together so well and we're in constant communication with each other. And so uh, I, typically, if you speak to uh, to the minister from Nova Scotia, you're going to get the same story that you get from the minister in Newfoundland. Um, we're all on the same page and we recognize that. Um, I'll give you an example. A former minister of, of, Fisher, of um, yeah, fisheries and aquaculture in, uh, in PEI uh, said to me once, he said, you know, we're all so busy pushing um, uh, New Brunswick lobster, PEI lobster, Nova Scotia lobster. And at a domestic level, it's a big deal because we want to know, people want to know that they're getting something that's sourced locally from their own province. They want to support local. But on a, a, a global level, they want Omaras Americanas. And they want Canadian lobster. They want uh, Maine lobster. They want to have lobster that they know has come from the cold North Atlantic waters. And uh, so we, we often question, so are we marketing it at the right level globally? We should be marketing Canadian lobster because that's what people around the world are looking for. So what kind of reception are you getting then when you are speaking to federal officials and you're communicating these concerns to them? Because, you know, obviously, you know, that's still the political thing that's going on federally and it's happening on the West Coast, as you mentioned. But mm -hmm. what kind of feed do you do you have a do you are you getting a sense that you're coming through like you're saying your you know, your concerns are um getting through and it's changing minds or 
I, I am. And, and I don't know if it's the fact that um, the new minister is from a fishing community herself. Um, she understands that, uh, you know, fish mean dollars and seafood means dollars and that there are a number of communities on our coastlines. I mean, we're, we're, we're in four little provinces that are small in size, but the coastlines that we have access to and the fresh water we have access to is what keeps us going. And we've got to make sure that um, that we've got people who are advocating for our industry that know that. And she does. Uh, Madame Le Boulier is is uh, very, very active and is visiting um, these outposts and visiting fishing communities and, and processors and fishermen and talking with us. And I think we're going to make some headway because she has a really good understanding of how critical it is to not only the uh, the the economic development of uh, of these areas, but it's cultural. This is the way people have made their living off the sea for hundreds of years. And we want to make sure that it um, not only continues to be a viable um, source, but for me, coming from a teaching background, my big thing is making sure that we show the young people of, of today that there are really valuable, viable, exciting career opportunities within um, aquaculture and agriculture that we can have them working outdoors, working with the land, working with the sea, and and doing research. and And the opportunities are endless. So that's that's part of my mission. And I think that um, the new minister is on board with that. And I'm hoping we can make great gains. Nice. Thank, thanks for that, Margaret. We're we're coming up near the end of the podcast, but I, I don't think we can have this podcast with you as a politician without discussing social license and social acceptance. Mm. We, we have to make mention of this. And, and you know, aquaculture producers perhaps are in a bit of a unique position to, to many other businesses that we operate uh, in, in public spaces um, and require licenses to do so. And we've seen decisions on the West Coast be admittedly made uh, based on perceived social license, perceived social acceptance and and science and and economy kind of be the second, third, fourth or fifth on that list. Um, and, and we seem to seen some decisions go against salmon farming licenses based on social license and acceptance. So with that said, and we can go anywhere with this topic, but but how does politics and, and social license intersect? How does it affect a business like salmon farming? Does it matter to politicians? Uh, you know, the, the wind of, of public acceptance, uh, is that what politicians follow or are there other factors? So I'm just asking you directly, um, first of all, what is kind of the mood of the constituents on the East Coast of Canada? And, and how does social license, social acceptance matter to salmon farmers when they're seeking to do business? A great question, Ian. It, it's very relative. I'll be very honest. It's relative to where you are and what you're talking about, what area you're talking about. We can talk about the fact that this new word, and I've really honestly only heard this in the last year, so that's what kind of a rock I've been living under, but this nimbyism. Um, and, and I think people are very supportive of, of uh, having initiatives take place. And yes, that's all wonderful, but I don't want you to do it here. And uh, because we talk about coastal communities, there are some areas where people are much more concerned with uh, having their view impeded of a wide open ocean than having net pins uh, visible. Do I buy into that? No. 
um, because I think we need to recognize that this is a huge economic driver. Um, and I think that the, the companies that I've dealt with over the years have been, um, we, we keep vilifying companies when we should be looking at the fact that it would not be in their best interests to abuse the environment. Why would they be um, putting that environment at risk? Because it's going to toxify the, the waters that they're working in and they're not going to get good product out of that. Um, so we want to make sure that the, the success of their industry is a result of these clean waters that they're bringing these fish into. So we have to look after that. Now, if you go to other communities, I'll use um, Newfoundland, for example. We were in, um, we were at a, 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 a aquaculture conference in Newfoundland a year or two ago and uh, spoke to the mayor of Harbor Breton, which is a small little fishing village in Newfoundland. And um, quite frankly, with um, fishing villages closing down and, and pl plants closing down, um, the moving in of an aquaculture um company to their community saved it. And so in communities like that, who were down to literally dozens of residents to be um, moving up to a population of 150, 200 people, that's a savior. Um, so it's an economic driver, but it's also keeping people in these communities and, and bringing um, jobs and uh the support for their schools, their arenas, you know, the, the, the just the, the total support of the community. These um, the three companies that I've spoken to, and I know there's there's others worldwide, but the ones that we're familiar with have been huge community supporters. And uh, that's that's massive uh, in terms of, of what the community wants to see. They want to have people coming in who are, are community-based and supportive of the people um, and the workers. The workers are treated well. Um, the pay is decent. The uh, so it's it, like I say, it's very relative. If you're looking at those places, you've got people who are embracing it, and other little villages say, "Yes, come here." You know, we've got mayors and, and municipalities going out and saying, "Yes, you can invest in our community. We'd welcome you." And then we we counteract that with the people who say, "Well, I don't want to have it in my backyard because it impedes my view of the ocean, and we're worried about that." I think we have to look at. Ian, I think you hit the nail right on the head when you're talking about science-based sustainable practices. And when we're making policy decisions at the government level, we have to continue to allow science to give us the answers. We cannot make um, decisions based on populist uh, sentiment. We have to have science acting on our behalf and we have to continue to advocate um, for uh, the industry based upon scientific evidence. Well said. Well said, Margaret. I, I just to uh, I think wrap up. I want to get your thoughts on you know knowing what you know based on the experiences that you're having talking with both the industry constituents and government levels. What's your outlook about the aquaculture industry, not just in Atlantic Canada but in 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 Canada? Look, I think if we give them enough leash, we can let them go, and they're going to amaze us. I think that we've got to give them the opportunity and, as I say, get science on our side, make, put policies in place and, and uh, acts in place that are going to make sure that, that uh, we can continue to promote this. Because I think when we talk about, I said initially, the, the um, food security, making sure that, that people know that there are healthy alternatives, that we don't have to be having meat, beef and chicken all the time, um, and that we need to, to look to... Um, these companies who are like, I can't 
state enough the, the technology and the innovation um, and, and the fact that they're really trying to make things that are green, that their footprint is as small as possible, that they are doing um, processes and procedures that are going to be beneficial to um, the consumer and to their communities and to the industry itself. I really think, like I say, give them enough lead and I think they're going to rock the world. I think that we can bring Canadian, New Brunswick, Maritime, Atlantic, we can bring them back to the forefront of the aquaculture industry. And the things that I've seen in Europe show that it's just the tip of the iceberg of what we can do. I think it's got great potential. That's uh, wonderful to hear. And uh, thank you for your time today, Margaret. <laughs> You're uh, one guest that has really kind of painted a picture of the delicious food and the coastline of New Brunswick. You mentioned the Acadian coast. And I'm thinking if we get to season three and four, we need to take this on the road and we need to sit down uh, across a plate of delicious oysters and we can hear the shucking going on and we can hear Absolutely. the clinking of the plates taste the food. I mean, this is all about delicious seafood and uh, and I think we should be in situ eating it and having these discussions. So uh, let I me agree. talk to the producer and do it. When you do take that, Ian, I, I want to be a guest co-host again. <laughs> oh, I see. That's the way oh, it Suddenly yeah, Marilyn's okay. interested, yeah. <laughs> okay, brilliant, brilliant. Well, well thanks, Margaret, and, and thanks, Marilyn, for your assistance in season one. It's a great way to cap off season one, and uh, this, I'm sure, will be fascinating to our our listeners, and we'll get lots of uh, great feedback. So again, thank you for your time. Before I go, Ian, I want to say one more thing. There was something I should have added. There are, there are organizations like the Atlantic Canadian Fish Farmers Association who are invaluable to this, and I want to give them recognition. We work in conjunction with them hand in hand, and they've done such an exceptional job of advocating for for uh, aquaculture within the region, and and they've brought in this last year we brought the world to St. John um, for an aquaculture summit, and and I really want to recognize the good work being done by Sue Farkas and her team um, with the Atlantic Canadian Fish Farmers. So organizations like that, get them on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> got it got all it. right message thanks, received thanks heaps guys good to chat if you have a comment on today's episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future episode connect with aquaculture north america on twitter or through our linkedin and facebook pages this podcast is sponsored by merck animal health together we can ensure welfare and sustainability for aquatic species mm -hmm.